Welcome to Breaking Green, a podcast by Global Justice Ecology Project. On Breaking Green, we will talk with activists and experts to examine the intertwined issues of social, ecological, and economic injustice. We will also explore some of the more outrageous proposals to address climate and environmental crises that are falsely being sold as green. I am your host, Steve Taylor. During the Cold War, the United States military conducted covert weapons development testing in what the Army identified as a densely populated slum district. The spraying of zinc cadmium sulfide, along with what evidence suggests was a radioactive substance, centered on a region that included the Pruitt Igo housing complex. The film, Target St. Louis, Volume 1, which has won the Urban World Best Documentary Award in New York, was directed by actor and filmmaker Damian Smith. On this episode of Breaking Green, we will talk with Damian about the film, the research it is based on, and the importance of film in shining a light on such a difficult subject. Damian was born in St. Louis and now lives as an actor, screenwriter, and producer in Los Angeles. Smith's stage and television credits include the NAACP Theater Award-winning production of 12 by 9, and most recently the television series Snowfall on FX Networks and The Purge on USA Networks. His directorial debut short narrative film entitled About That, a powerful look at love through the eyes of a mentally disturbed young man, won the Arts with Impact Film Award. Smith's last short film, Daddy's Big Girl, won the Gentleman Jack Daniels Real to Real Filmmaker of the Year Award. Damien will be joining us outside of a studio during a break in filming. Mr. Damien Smith, Welcome to Breaking Green. Uh, hey, but thank you for having me at Breaking Green. I can, I'm happy to be here. Uh, so, so Damien, uh, before we get to the film, uh, could you tell us about yourself? I mean, you're a filmmaker and an actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, filmmaker and actor. Uh, uh, first of all, first off, born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri. So I went from St. Louis uh, and uh, from school, basically graduated a high school. And in high school, I went over to uh, a little bit after high school, I went over to New York, and that's where I was did my, my conservatory, my theater. I, I did all I can. I did off Broadway, off off Broadway, nowhere near Broadway. <laughs> you know, I was in those theater streets and honed my craft and performing and things like and storytelling, while uh, at the same time also cultivating my filmmaking skills. Uh, at the same time, being more behind the scenes, you know, learning all the all the moving pieces. So I would be on tour with a play for. I said I could play out on tour for like a year and a half, and we weren't like we were we weren't out the entire time. We were home for like a month, for like say three weeks, and been going for four months type of thing. But when I was home, uh, my old room, <coughs> excuse me, my roommate in New York, he was a sound guy. Um, so you know, he was like, "Hey man, you want to make a couple extra bucks?" I'm like, "Yeah," and I didn't know that I was going. I thought I was paying. This whole time, so I'm working for this production company, and I thought I was paying, and I'm doing all this. I'm talking about, I'm, I'm, I'm setting up lights. I'm doing all this stuff that I thought was just regular paying. So uh, then one day, I ended up working with a joint company with that company and another company on this Martha on this Martha Stewart shoot. And then uh, they were like, they say, hey man, we like, we really like how you work. We would like for you to come on, come on back over, you know, work with us for if you if you're off. I'm like, yeah, I'm off. Yeah, come through, makes extra couple extra bucks. Man, I work for them. At the end of the day, we fill out our, our you got to fill out your paperwork at the end of the day on these type of productions. So you fill out your time cards and you fill all this stuff out. He put in what your rate is. I thought it was regular rate that I was getting with the other. And the guy was like, hey, no, man, you getting 
it was it was easily tripled of the amount of what I was making per day. I made. Oh man! And it, and and like, oh my god, it was ridiculous. And I learned that they were really like using me as cheap labor. But here's some here's something for your listeners and everybody that I do believe in. You're going to pay for education some way, shape, form, fashion. So if it's interning, if it's ta- if it was working at a reduced rate, is that, and I got to say, what I learned working with that production company is invaluable because I was able to apply those skills, that skill set, and everything on the whole, like for the rest of my career. And to this day, so I'm not too upset. But they they got me for like a year though. <laughs> they they fleeced me for like a year. Well, that's an amazing story. That really is. I mean, I guess, you know, it, it really did help you break into mm-hmm. the, the, the scene, per se. I mean, that's not easy to do. No. Uh, but uh, you, you told me that you're in L.A. right now talking to us. Yes, and yes. You, you just back from Ghana? What's yeah. going on with that? Yeah, so I'm just getting back from Ghana. I was uh, just got back to L.A. Uh, I'm, I'm only going to be here for a couple of days, actually. But, um, yeah, I was in Ghana. I was filming a feature uh, called um, uh, the Nine. It's 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 a spiritual drama, sci-fi type of thing. It's pretty it's pretty cool. I was the only American. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I, was, I wasn't the only American. I was the only American lead that that was taken over that came over. So yeah. So we uh, had a great time. We shot for like a month and a half. And I, it's gonna. I know they're gearing up to for the Netflix market. It's Rosemary Zemo, Kate. Uh, Upshot is uh, uh, Chris Otto. These like names that I didn't know. They can't even walk down the street in Ghana and South Africa. Uh, I do. These are people that I'm just being uh, turned onto their world because their world is vast. So it's a it's a it's a great uh, combination. So I can't wait for that to hit the streets too. And you know, and a couple other projects. You know, you've been on Purge, and I believe you're you're, you're working with uh, Will Smith, Emancipation. Yeah, I, I was on. I, I did a movie with uh, Will called Emancipation. That's Gearing up, I mean, they, you know, there was a, <laughs> some unforeseen events happened with the brothers. So they're changing, they're moving around the uh, the, the 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 release dates, and they're making, they're they're you know, and, you know uh, lining that up, you know. So that's all, you know. As an actor, I came in, did my part, and I left, and you know, whatever happens after that is you know out of my control. So I don't you know focus on that at all. That's news there. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. and I'm, but I'm back here now. I'm working on Snowfall. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, we're shooting that now. You released a film, Target St. Louis, Volume 1. And it's been making some waves and, and winning a few awards. So I would like to quickly listen to the trailer and we'll come right back and, and, and talk about it. I'm with it. Let's do it. This next story is so unbelievable, we didn't think it could possibly be true. Our I-team has learned the United States military conducted secret tests on thousands of people in St. Louis. 10,000 low-income people, and according to research that will go public today, uh, this is where most of the testing happened back in the 50s and 60s. People living at the complex unknowingly inhaled this compound morning, noon, night, so the government could measure its effects on their lungs. And it was for a purpose. In 1953, Congress indemnified private contractors who were connected to human subject studies. A black man from down south is the only goal certain locations. There was, there was some strange going on. We had no idea what it was other than the fact that we were told uh, at some point in time that 
They were spraying fall insects, mosquitoes, and things like that. It comes as a great shock to discover that Gary Cooper killing off the Indians when you were rooting for Gary Cooper, that the Indians were you. The, the film is about covert military testing during the Cold War in, in a predominantly minority populated area in St. Louis. Um, could you give us like an intro into what this is all about? <laughs> Well, I, I definitely can. Uh, Target St. Louis is about post-World War II. During the Cold War era, the military conducted secret chemical testing on the most vulnerable population of St. Louis, like you said. Um, it was uh, we, we use the word minority now because it is the, 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 the best word to use in situations like this. But the actuality of it, it was a primarily African-American people that were affected by um by this case study and you know as our good doctor dr uh, lisa martino teller uh says you know let's let us know in the film so and uh, you know so back in the day um your listeners are going to remember some of them are going to remember back in the day when they used to come through spraying spraying for pesticides like they were spraying for mosquitoes and things like that that's what uh you know, it was happening in these neighborhoods, but in actuality, in this particular case, they were spraying zinc, cadmium, sulfide, some say radiation. Um, the government has admitted to this test. They were, they were calling it the aerosol spray study. And they were saying they were putting together a defensive weapon just in case Moscow came through and wanted to drop a bomb. And then they could release this aerosol spray study, this aerosol spray data, this cloud will come up and protect, you know, direct locations that these bombers can hit. But in actuality, a lot of people were saying that they were putting together a offensive weapon to attack Moscow, if, if so happens. So it was chemical warfare what they were putting together and developing. And um, they used, again, poor black people who were underprotected politically, uh, financially, and socioeconomically uh, as test subjects. You, you know, it is it is an amazing story. Um and what what you just said, there's there's a lot in there. And and one thing, uh, you know, I've seen the film. You 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 talk about the cloud um, uh, story. Uh, it's it's the military went to the mayor of St. Louis and and got permission to do this, and told the mayor and uh, some other officials that they were going to to spray this aerosol and get an idea how they could in the future if they needed to to protect protect St. Louis from aerial bombardment and that they planted a false news story. Um, you know, when you first hear about this, it's sort of like, well, you know, that that couldn't have happened. That didn't happen. That couldn't have happened. It couldn't have, this can't be real. This seems like the movies. You know, <laughs> and, and and that's what's so interesting about it. You know, you're watching this documentary and it's like, you know, it's 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 there's a lot of evidence put forward. Yeah. And, and I must say, I was very impressed with how such a complex story was told in the amount of time you took to tell it, which was about the time of an average feature film. Yeah. But the, the, the government really hasn't denied this, that they, they've done this. There were residents in, in the area who actually took this to court, and your movie really drills into that. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, so when it came to, like, 
I, I, I would take a take. I'll take a step back to go a little bit. Right, a step back. How I wanted to tell the story was one, um, which was which was which gave which the abundance of information that I was able to get from uh, Dr. Martino Taylor, uh, Lisa Martino Taylor's uh, dissertation, and then I went. So that was in my mind the um, that was in my mind the 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 the, the clinical the the math. The numbers, right? So then, what we had to have, what I like to look at it as, and seeing as a storyteller, so it might be some flowery words, you know, my people. But what I like to add is the modulation, the analog of it, the humanity of it, of the story, because this was, in my opinion, the goal of this, this story was to add the humanity to these people. So I, had to, I, I coupled with her, with with with, with her, um, again, her laying, her 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 laying out of information, and also my humanity, my 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 putting a humane putting a face to these facts that so that's what we like that's what I, that's what i like to do with my storytelling make putting a face to the fact actually putting a human body like you have to understand this is a and it's sad that we have to do this by the way it's sad that i have to do this sad that anyone has to do this but i'm just telling you what it is the process i go through i want to add the flesh the bones the colors the heart the veins so you know that you're doing this to a human being so i parallel the stories with and and with with the facts told in three different ways so from told from research told from the journalism journalistic point of view and told from the people who experienced these situations firsthand and was here sharing their very valuable stories for uh, to us so that's the manner in which i, I was the type of that i was walking when i was making this telling this story and the thing is and reason why i left it at the length of a feature documentary but not a longer one something that i like because I, I i had it at like an hour and 20 minutes and an hour and 30 minutes and i was like you know what it, it just it, it 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 was so much you know unless you like you said it's heavy and dense uh you know this 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 subject and, it, and it's not pretty either so i had to i had to make it uh digestible entertaining, engaging, and also, you know, uh, you know, and again, let me double down on entertaining, right? <laughs> you know, um, because, um, you, you know, you wanted to make it palatable and digestible for people because my goal is for a cause of action. And you just, you know, so that's why we kept it to like, a, you know, around the time period of a little over an hour, just, just so we can get it in. And I mixed up the platforms and how I tell the story. I like mixing media up anyway. So you'll see illustrations, you'll see, you know, point of views, you'll see, you know, these, you know, how we relayed this information. So hopefully that answered your question, my brother. It, it, it did. I mean, I think it, it, it actually answered more than my question. I mean, you backed up and you explained a bit about the method and, and what you do. I mean, there's a lot in this this film and there's a lot to it. You you mentioned Dr. Lisa Martino Taylor's research. I, right. I, uh, I she, She's written a book, Behind the Fog. I mean, and it's it's dense, right? And And there's a lot to it. But what you have done is you've 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 put some flesh on the bones. Uh, actually, talking to people who lived lived there, uh, going into certain aspects that hadn't been heard of before regarding the lawsuit, re- re- regarding uh, inquiries into Stanford University and how information that was in the public was was taken out. Uh, it's it's a it's an amazing, amazing piece of work. Um, but I did want to ask you this. Uh, talking to all of these people who live there, 
Were there any real takeaways that were were very real to you that 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 stick with you? The, some of the takeaways that I that I that, that I left with, and what it, what was exhibited through these interviews. Uh, one, the first thing was that I was amazed at how, and I and I guess it's an age thing too. I guess because I mean I'm just as I'm analyzing this, you know. Um, because at this point, these people are in their late seventies. You know, they're older. Uh, they're older people. The majority of them. There are some that are in their sixties, but the majority of the, the interview subjects and the people that were older that this was affected are in their seventies. And how much they just want to get their story out so this doesn't happen to the next generation. And like the anger was there, but it really wasn't because at this point it's going to be it's wherever the chips may lay. But we don't want this to happen to the next generation. And so this is why they're doing this. They was they were happy to tell their stories in backyards. They were happy to tell their stories uh, in, in you know in parks where rain was coming down. They were happy to work around schedules. Excuse excuse me the, the noise. They were happy to walk around schedules. And, and things like that to make this happen so they get their story out. And they were really adamant about, you know, about that. So that's the one takeaway that initially just just took me, you know, by the blind side. Uh, and then secondly, another takeaway uh, is that, um, man, it's a cold game out there, man. Because this was going concurrent at the time of the Tuskegee experiment. So if you pay, if you see what's happening, and if you take a step back and look at the picture, is that the uh, United States government had two um, tests being ran on the uh, most vulnerable population, the poorest population, and the most underrepresented population of America, our African-American community, at the same time, right doing, you know, right after the heels of Jim Crow, right, right, during the times of Pro and how things are shaping up about that. Doing, look, 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 I just want you to look at the assault on us that was happening and how it transpired. Is there a sense that maybe this film helps validate what they've always kind of known? Even if they didn't know that it was happening just that way, is there a, a, a certain sense that, hey, we have this film? A great question, Steve. A great, let me tell you why, how much a great question. Every, I, that was another reason why I did this movie. Reason, reason I, I, I dedicated is because I wanted to give a peace of mind. It's, peace of mind is so underrated and, and undervalued, but it's one of the most valuable things that you can have. Um, so you, as, especially in the African-American community, you had to deal with these boogeyman-type-esque type of scenarios in which that we know that this is happening like racism you know it's happening to you You know that you're being discriminated against on the basis of your uh, uh of your color and your culture um so you just got to act like it don't happen or you got to just just pass by something because if you keep living in the know of knowing it and actively dealing with it you'll be outraged so you just let certain things go but there's certain things that we know that were afflicting and attacking us like the police brutality like we spoke up on but you know they talk about it as a myth they talk about it as, as if we just violently over you know breaking crimes and doing things like that for no reason you know uh, and, and and the police happen to be this heavy-handed because of this. it is it always is justified we always have to justify our existence and things like that so what this story did it allowed those people of that generation era to have tangible evidence 
that this happened to them. So you, so those boogeyman stories you knew growing up that was really put in place to protect you. And all those, like, you were you were preyed upon. So you don't have to just feel like this boogie, you know, you, got, you have something to say, look, here it is, I wasn't crazy. You know, with those stories and my grandmother, or my mother's mother and all those things that were speaking, they weren't just crazy. They were doing this to protect you because they knew that there were forces that you just didn't know about at play. This is your host, Steve Taylor, and we will be back right after this. Global Justice Ecology Project partners with small nonprofits. When a group or organization whose non-for-profit work closely aligns with our mission by becoming a fiscal sponsor. This helps them minimize bureaucracy so they can focus on their crucial work for ecological and social justice, forest protection, and human rights. GJEP is a co-founder and coordinator for the Campaign to Stop GE Trees, both in North America and globally. The Campaign to Stop GE Trees is a national and international alliance of organizations united towards prohibiting the ecologically and socially devastating release of genetically engineered trees into the environment. Their mission is to protect forests and biodiversity and provide support to communities threatened by the dangerous release of genetically engineered trees. For more information and to sign the petition to stop genetic engineering in our forests, visit stopgetrees.org. Welcome back to Breaking Green. And the reports of this happening have been picked up a little bit by by congressional figures when it first came out. We're going to investigate. And it was, I mean, this is real stuff. I mean, as in the trailer says, at first, we thought this story was 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 too strange to believe. But yes, it's, 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 it's too crazy to be true. <laughs> I love it. That's that was the let me tell you something. When I heard that clip, when I, when, that, when I saw that first clip and it said that I said, oh, this has to start. This has to start this has to be it because he sets he sets the ground. It's so it, it, it's so it, it's so perfect that you don't even it's a no brainer. It's one of those things you call a no brainer. Like oh god, you got us. He's telling you right here, <laughs> you know. Wow, at the top, and what's coming from the news is more efficient, you know. Your grandmother uh, was part of the story too. Yes, my grandmother's in the documentary. Uh, so the reason the documentary the reason the documentary came about is because of my grandmother. So my grandmother used to send me letters back and forth. Like, this is how she's communicating with me. Grandma wasn't texting at the time. So she sent me a letter. I read the letter. It was what we do. And I talked to her about the letter. It was a beautiful, you know, experience. Uh, so in this one particular time, she sent me a letter. And it had, uh, and, it, and it was it was, it was was a news clipping of the of St. Louis Post-Dispatch had picked up uh, uh, Dr. Taylor's, like, dissertation. Like, just want a quick little blurb about it. And she sent it, and, would, and she sent the clip, and in the letter, it said, "Hey, this is the environment. This is the neighborhood that we all grew up in. I was part of, you know, this is the neighborhood. This is the area." And so I called her, and we just started talking about it. And like, this is just one of many stories I hear. From her. She's been around, and she's a St. Louis native, so it's a lot of. And then she's a social activist as well, so she knows the ins and outs and ups and downs of a lot of stuff. Uh, 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 so. She started telling me all these stories and telling me this, and this is why we didn't. This is why my and here's another. My great aunt who raised her, she who raised my grandmother, wouldn't let them move into that complex. It was a brand. It was, they was it was toted as the, the the shining house on the hill, the the, the castle that you know get out of poverty. You know this. They, they were their, their kitchens didn't have floors. This was they had dirt floors in their kitchens. You know what I'm saying? So you understand like the level of 
poverty that these people were in, that we were, that our families and friends were in. And then you see when they offer you something that got running water, heat, electricity, you know, you can protect you from the elements. It's something where you can start a foundation from. So, yeah, of course they flock. But, but her great aunt who raised her told her, no, we're not going. And she's like, no, why not? She's like, they're not going to give you something for nothing. There's something attached to this. And again, kind of like we spoke about earlier, where we, where we say, like, yeah, we didn't know. They, these, these people, like, you know, we think, like, you're just being an asshole, you're being this, you're being that. But in actuality, they were protecting you and protecting us from unforeseen, you know, threats. And she didn't move them in. And she said that could have been one of the best decisions she made because of what happened. But she still was in the neighborhood. You did not know the level of treachery, you know, was going on. So you didn't think it would be aerosol spray that that, that spread it around the neighborhood. And it's a, it really attacked the north side of St. Louis, really. It was an attack on the north side of St. Louis. You touch upon in the film is uh, out of this research came the uh, realization that around the time of the atomic bomb, the United States government was also working on not just bombs, but radiological weapons, the ability to to possibly use radioactive smoke. Uh, And they had a whole series of experiments, injection, ingestion. And they wanted to to do uh, full body scan research and then also, open air testing. But what's really insidious about the St. Louis studies is that the aerosol spraying, unlike what they were doing in some parts of the country with high altitude planes, was on ground level, you know, on, on buildings and in, in cars. And the particles were, were, were ground to where they can move. And, and they actually were, were the, the size that would embed themselves in the people's lungs it's it's when you are confronted with all this information it it just it's it's just it's it's just unbelievable it's very sad you know you know what it is also with that it was it it was not by happenstance because they wanted to see how and 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 kistner uh elkin kistner goes into this more in depth in the documentary, Target St. Louis, Volume 1. Uh, the Volume 1 is important, people. Um, Target St. Louis, Volume 1. Um, that they didn't want the they didn't want these chemicals just to, you know, be in the air. They wanted to see what happens if it they, if it lands and it, it, can it penetrate this brick? Can it penetrate this? One of the reasons St. Louis was chosen for this test is because of its similarities to Moscow's, you know, in, 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 in uh, construction, the architecture, the, the proximity to water, the, the weather patterns, and things like that. So they really, they really, you know, it was thought. See, this is this is what I really want to people. I really want to get across. It wasn't like, hey, let's just throw this to the wall and see what sticks. No, this is thought put behind what you were doing. So if there was thought putting behind, hey, we got to make sure that this can permeate this much, and we got to this guy do this and this. There was also thought put behind, hey, we're going to be doing this to these people. I believe in the film there was some sort of litigation. Uh, and there were some brave people who were, were litigating. So tell us about that. Okay, okay so Kistner, uh, so Kistner and a good brother named Ben Phillips. Ben Phillips has been so key and instrumental in getting this thing, uh, 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 this documentary pushed to the level in which it is, it is in St. Louis. And, you know, uh, even his, his energy helped motivate me to get this going because I had to go through some trials and tribulations. 
dealing with this documentary. Uh, and I'm not going to, you know, uh, burden the listener with all with the details, but I really had to make sure I pushed and got this through. And there were certain people that really helped gave me the, the wind beneath my wings and making sure I wanted to get this done. And Ben was one of these people because he was the first plaintiff on the on the uh, lawsuit with Kiss with uh, with Kister as the uh, as their lawyer. And when I watched what he went through. And what they were going through with uh when it came I bought us Willis Lloyd, uh Willis uh, uh 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 and who else? Uh Chester Deans and you 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 seeing what they had to go through and with and, and the ups and downs and the and the battles that they had to go through with this lawsuit and just to be seen, I had to it really motivated me to like I gotta get this film done so they can have another tool. In getting this uh, and getting justice for this type of situation. So you've made this film. What do you hope that it accomplishes? Well, I would hope that this film accomplish, accomplishes. Per this conversation, is that the more eyeballs get on the film, the more people watch it, the more uh, the more uh, engagement it, it it ignites, and maybe these people, while while they're alive, get some type of real insight, a real investigation, real to see what was the effects of what happened to these people and then prepare the, and also prepare the people for the future. That's it. Real simple. How, how can people uh, follow you and your film? Great, great question. So you can follow me on all my social media accounts. It's Damien D. Smith. Again, Damien, D-A-M-I-E-N, D. Smith. Uh, uh, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. but uh, And then this film, you can follow at Target St. Louis Volume 1. So it's Target St. Louis VOL 1. Uh, no, you know, punctuation. Target S-T-L-O-U-I-S V-O-L 1. Um, all one word. So you can uh, follow that as well on Facebook and, so, and, and uh, Twitter. And the Volume 1 is important, people. It is. It is. Do you have hopes? I mean, if you don't want to answer this here, that's fine. But do you have hopes that it's going to get on a streaming service sometime, Damien? I'm pretty confident that it will be on a streaming service uh, sometime soon where people can watch it in the masses. Because right now it's not. And people are able been able to catch it through the festival route. And then blessfully, though, a lot of our festivals have taken also a uh, a online component. So it's been online. You know, it's been streaming through different festivals for you know, uh, as for the run of the show, but now we're going to get it. We, we're we're in conversations and we're going to continue conversations to have it on a more of a a, a, a streaming site. Uh, I'll let you know soon. <laughs> yeah, that 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 would be great. I wanted to ask you real quick though before we go. You sure. mentioned the you mentioned the film festival circuit. I mean, you've uh, had a, a victory there. Could you tell us a little bit how the film's been received in the festival circuit? Oh, uh, the film has been received very well in the festival circuit, and also just the, the screening circuit, which has been taking out its own life, a life of its own. Um, yeah, so I like I went to, we, this summer. We was we was uh, brought over by the New York City Parks Department, and we had a screening at the James Baldwin Lawn right at City College. It was a beautiful screening outside. It was it was luxurious. I it was actually a full circle full circle moment for me because I used to watch a lot of movies in that park uh, and watch filmmakers exhibit their art, you know, partner with like the state of New York and city of New York. That's, that's dope. So I, was, I love that. And uh, we won actually the urban world film festival. We actually, let me properly say it. 
we won Best Featured Documentary at the 25th Annual Urban World Film Festival. It's the longest running uh, film festival uh, and one of the biggest, uh, especially of people of color. And we won Best Featured Doc, and that was really, and that was presented by NBC Universal. Um, and then, you know, we were really got a, got a, got some got a cash prize. They helped out, you know. Um, so it's been received very well. We got more coming up. And now we're looking uh, at, you know, putting it out. It's going to go to another, taking it to the our streaming network so all our people can see it. You know? There's more and more people who get news from entertainment. Do you think this is creating a buzz about this historical event? Do you think this is going to help bring it into people's consciousness more? Very much so. I do believe that this is creating a buzz and it's, it's being propagated through people's minds. They're seeing it. They're wondering what it's about. But then everyone's like, wait a minute, I've heard about this. Because it's so sad that it's it's there are different stories all around this country. So and, and so now people are really engaged to see. And then and, and I, get, I, get, I get at least once or twice a week someone said, hey, you know, this happened. I was part of this or my family was a part of this. And that's why when we had these health issues and things like that. So people are really talking and the words are really getting out. And this doc, again, it's been, it's very well received. Uh, and, I, and I'm extremely proud and happy about that. And, you know, it, it makes me feel good as a storyteller that people like the way that you tell the story, you know? So you mentioned James Baldwin Park. We heard uh, his voice in, in the intro. I mean, it's, it's very distinctive, very yeah. powerful. Uh, what what uh, I mean, what made you decide to go that route with James Baldwin? Baldwin was something that we were putting it together. We was putting it together. I, I first I'm a, I'm a, I love Baldwin, and that quote is so 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 on point. Because again, when you think you're doing something, when you think these people are for you, you just don't know. This whole time, they it's been <laughs> it's been a switcheroo. So and 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 he says it so eloquently, and he's such a fierce component of. Uh, civic justice and social activism and Baldwin is one of like my heroes uh, when it comes to how he his delivery of information now he you know you gotta say it, it really says something of someone of uh, who James Baldwin was and what he represented unpo- unapologetically in the world that it's most of the critiques or any any pushback that I hear about him it's always it's, it's against his intellect it was nothing. It's nothing, you know, racist and you n word. It's nothing. It's, I, I even looking at his. If you research him, you can see there's nothing because because he was so fierce, you know, intellectually, and and how his elocution and, and on how he you know dropped things down. It just make you have to engage with him. I'm pre, I'm not saying it didn't happen, but I'm pretty. But all the thing I'm looking at, you just don't see it, which you can find it on everybody else. You know, he's kind of of that era too when all this was happening. Uh, so, um, and it's interesting that you, you, you had a screening at, at a park in his name. So Damian Smith, thank you for joining Breaking Green. Hey, I enjoyed my time on Breaking Green. It was a great conversation. Peace, brother. You have been listening to Breaking Green, a global justice ecology project podcast. To learn more about global justice ecology project, visit globaljusticeecology.org. Breaking Green is made possible by tax-deductible donations by people like you. Please help us lift up the voices of those working to protect forests, defend human rights, and expose false solutions. Simply text GIVE, G-I-V-E, to 1-716-257-4187. That's 
1716 257 4187